there could be no doubt that without Kansas State University's presence, the state of Kansas would be a much different place. Look no further than agriculture. The people, technology, ideas emerging from this campus in Manhattan resonate statewide. The Kansas Flicker podcast gets a taste of this phenomenon with the help of Richard Glenton, president of KSU. <clears throat> Welcome. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks for joining us in this lovely environment on a cold day, but we're inside, fortunately. And we're having ice cream. It's all good. We did have ice cream, and maybe we'll have some more. Uh, so, President Lynn, you've been at the university for about a year, I think, February. And uh, how's it going so far? So far, so good. It's been uh, it's been a really fast year, but uh, a lot of great things happening at the university. Largest economic development announcement in our history. The largest gift that was given from a corporation to our Salina campus. The largest fundraising year. And we got a Big 12 championship in uh, football. And both the KU men and women lost to Kansas State. So it's all good at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the KU thing. So my wife and I went to the KUK State men's basketball game under the specific orders that we could not wear purple to the game. So we just put something over the top of it. These are bad orders. You need to change yeah, well, whoever told you to do that. Yeah, all right. So this is obviously a land-grant university. It was created for a purpose. Can you spell out for people less familiar with K-State what a land-grant university is? So I think the most simple definition of a land-grant university, it's the university for the people for the people of the state. So Kansas State University is the university for Kansans first, which means that we need to do research and teaching and extension and outreach and engagement for the benefit of the state that has relevance to the state needs and the state opportunities. And what makes us different from any other university here in Kansas is that we're present every single day improving lives and changing communities in all 105 counties. That's a land-grant university, research, teaching, and engagement extension. And the extension service gets you into those 105 counties. It That's does. part of it. it. It's the relationship with all counties. It lets us know what's important from a state perspective, and it also enables us to be able to send the talent pipeline, our students, to these communities that need them for jobs. But it's also about making sure that new technologies are implemented in our state, mm-hmm. and that's quite often done through our cooperative extension network. So the status of land-grant uh, status was established in the 1800s? Uh, Abraham 1850s? Lincoln, okay. uh, 1852. 52, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, established the land-grant mission and system. And again, it's about research, teaching, and extension. And different states were given land for that purpose to be able to help support the state. And we are the first, number one, foam finger, operational land-grant in, in, in America. So when they they decided to have land-grant universities, one of them had to be first in terms of being up and running, and it was K-State. That was us. I think <laughs> Iowa State and Kansas State, there's always a, a challenge about who was first. They might have been first to be able to get you know enacted, but we were the first operational running land-grant institution. Take that, Iowa. <laughs> so things change, you know, with universities, and so part of your task, I take it, is to create a next-generation land-grant institution. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so I think the fundamental elements or the foundation of a land grant still remains the same. Research, teaching, extension, and engagement for the people of Kansas first. However, in the last 150 or so years, things have changed. So we're asking questions about students and about research and about engagement. So as an example on the student side, the student of today is a student that comes nine months a year 
for four or five or six years to get a four-year degree. Well, what about being open 12 months a year? That might help with the student affordability challenge that we have. What about the uh, 45-year-old that works for Cargill that would like to elevate their career in data analytics that had a K-State degree 20 years ago and data analytics wasn't invented? So we're asking questions about the opportunity, rather than 20,000 students, 2.8 million, which is the population of our state, mm -hmm. could be our students. What about credentials? What about certificates that they could help elevate their career or improve their life? From a research perspective, it's about um, driving the economic engine. How can we create jobs? How can we spur research innovation that attracts industry to want to come so that we have more jobs in the state and keep more students in the state? Relative to extension and engagement, who are the partners of today and who do the partners need to be of tomorrow? So as an example, healthcare, it's a big issue. Mm -hmm. And through our cooperative extension network, we do less healthcare and more of other things. Why can't we listen to and be relevant to the needs of tomorrow? Why can't we find new partnerships so that we can offer healthcare all over this entire state? So as part of this, I believe you've been touring the state. I have. Partly to introduce yourself to people, but partly to listen. And so what are some of the things you've heard about what, what people want to see out of KSU? So this year we'll be in 72 of 105 counties. Just this week we were in Wichita. And really it's about three things. It's about celebrating the partnerships that we already have in place. Mm -hmm. It's about thinking about new partnerships that could be created. And it's also about selling the amazing student experience that we have at Kansas State to prospective parents and students that may want to go into higher education. But you're building relationships with people. 95% of success in higher education is building relationships and establishing trust. When you go to them, you're establishing relationships and building trust. Yeah. That's important in practically everything. It's important in journalism as well. So, um, well, let's do the fundamental journalism questions. Why are you doing this? Yeah, so it's, again, it's to be able to build on these partnerships. It's to be able to understand how we can be most relevant to the needs of Kansans. And so, as an example, one of the things that we're learning is that we are changing demographics in the state. Well, the population is not growing very fast. A, a subset of the population, which is the Hispanic population, especially mm -hmm. in the West, mm -hmm. is growing very rapidly. So as a land-grade institution, the university for the people, we need to adapt to changing demographics. And what we're learning is for those first generation, because 80% of them are first generation Hispanic students, we need to think differently about recruiting and supporting these students. So as an example, they may not want to come to Manhattan, Kansas for the first couple of years in their college career. Could we develop a partnership with a community college in that region, maybe help them with the instruction in some way through our research and extension network or through virtual online learning, and then have the opportunity to be able to help grow them so that they might want to come to Manhattan to be able to finish out their career? Part of what you're talking about is what all universities ought to be doing right about now if you have a declining population of college-age people, but examining how how, and, and what you're doing. So declining enrollment's a big issue and challenge for all land grants, and, and, and in Kansas State, it's been our biggest challenge over mm -hmm. the last eight years. So we have to sell the incredible student experience. We have to adapt and think differently about changing demographics, and we need to have a balance of in-state students 
and out-of-state students in order to be able to uh, you know, fulfill the operational needs of the university. And that's what we're working on really hard today. And when you think about the College of Agriculture specifically, the, the breadth of the curriculum doesn't mean that you have to have a well-worn pair of cowboy boots or uh, some real skills in, in hurling hay, square hay bales around. You know, there's, explain that. You know, you could be an engineer that works on drone technology or sensing technology in fields. You could be a geologist that's working on irrigation systems because water, mm-hmm. of course, is an incredibly important issue in the state. Uh, Maybe the can, most important. It, it, I, you know, I think from an agricultural perspective, it is the With most no important. no water, issue. life evaporates and it's gone. No water, no plants, no plants, no animals, no plants, no animals, no humans. That's right. There so we have to work on that water issue. But also, there's a role in play for journalism. You know, I think one of our biggest challenges is Americans don't know where their food comes from. And if they don't know where their food comes from, it's difficult to be able to um, justify the importance of extension and the importance of investing in research. Well, chocolate milk comes from brown Swiss cows, right? Of course it does. Yeah. Let's not, let's, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. Well, and my son drinks the the chocolate milk. I drink the white milk. (laughs) Okay. Well, just think about agriculture going forward. Workforce issues, you say student enrollment, but part of that is about workforce too. People to go out there and, and do some of this work, the drought, the water. I'm curious about one other thing. What about international uh, student enrollment at K-State? There, there's always been a presence of international students, and particularly there's a, you know, ag development and so forth. But some of those people will come to school here and go back to Africa, wherever. But what about having more of those people actually stay in Kansas? Yeah, so because we're such a, a university that focuses on agriculture and engineering, which are both global issues, we need to have international students to be able to give us that international perspective. Because what's needed in America is different than what's needed all over the world. Hmm. I think almost all universities in America have struggled during COVID with lessening amounts of international students. Mm -hmm. We have um, four Feed the Future labs, which focus on internationalization uh, and, and bringing a lot of these students in. But our numbers have dropped. We need to have a concerted effort to enhance those numbers. Well, COVID was a big curveball to everybody. COVID had a huge impact. We are sitting in Call Hall. There's an ice cream uh, place uh, facility here, but you, you could also... A, it's called a dairy bar. Dairy bar. I didn't know if that was the... I know that was the terminology a long time ago. Some I didn't know if it was still a creamery. Yeah, it the creamery. A creamery. That's good. not a place. It's a okay. creamery or a dairy Out in the bar. milk barn. You know, I grew up drinking milk out of a pickle jar that we walked in from the dairy barn, so it was still warm. Probably not pasteurized. Of course not. It was strained through one piece of paper. I bet you have a great immune system. I do. Uh, I've never (laughs) broken a bone either. So calcium. Yeah. So uh, I can remember drinking homogenized pasteurized milk for the first time. I thought somebody had polluted it. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so surround us. There's cheese. There's meat. There's, there's ice cream, there's flour. All these things come from K-State. They do, and I think um, one of the things that we like to do in a way to be able to try to help educate others about the importance of agriculture is make those finished products here and, and, and distribute those products so that people can enjoy them. And then it gives people an opportunity to understand that, you know, this ice cream came, came from a cow. Yeah. And that flour comes from wheat. There's a lot of things that have to happen on the growing side of things, on the post-processing side of things, mm-hmm. and on the retail side of things in order to make a success. So touch on the importance of experiential learning. 
because I think this is a big deal. That's what we're kind of talking about here, the milling science or the ASI animal science people out there or the people milking 300 cows. So if, 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 if I had my way and, and I'm, I'm moving in that direction, I would have every single student that has some kind of a hands-on learning experience, whether it's an internship, whether it's an international experience, or whether it's an undergraduate research program, having that hands-on experience helps enable them understand what they actually want to be in life, but it also gives them a great jump up in the job market when they're competing for jobs right out of the chute. Okay, real quickly, we're going to have a lightning round question here. So okay. uh, you, you may have answered this on plain or chocolate milk. I think you said plain. It's got to be plain milk. 2%. So vitamin, 2%. 2%. What about whole milk? What's wrong with that? So for me, whole milk is a little too heavy. I need the 2%. Plus, I'm trying to you know, be fit and trim. So yeah, right. It down just well, a little bit. Well, whole milk is real milk. <laughs> the rest of it's fake. After I just had two scoops of delicious ice right. cream. Here. So your favorite ice cream? So my favorite ice cream is actually an ice cream called Cherry Brick Road. Huh. You can't find it here. It you was, can change that, though. I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. So Cherry Brick Road was um, an ice cream that was created for me. At NC State University, it was the Dean's ice cream, huh. and it included four ingredients, chocolate, chocolate, <laughs> marshmallows, and cherries. And so the two chocolates were my wife and daughter's, my son was marshmallow, I was cherries, and the idea was it was a chocolate ice cream with um, chocolate bricks in it, mm -hmm. and it was a marshmallow swirl, and Michigan cherries. And it was called, so we used to say, follow the cherry brick road, follow the cherry brick road. Was it a good seller, though? Did other it, people like it? it was the or did you end up with like 400 pounds no, of No, it stuff? was the number two seller at NC State. And uh, in addition to that, it was off, there were five flavors that were were sold through um, supermarkets. Uh -huh. And it was one of the five flavors that were sold okay, through Okay, so I'm impressed. Maybe that PhD did, did you well there. Either the PhD or just a lot of experience in eating <laughs> great food. Just luck. Okay, so in addition to eating ice cream, we're, we're sitting in Call Hall for a reason. Kansas State raised $75 million. You guys have qualified for some state aid. You're going to do some redevelopment in this area of campus. Will you please explain what your vision is there? So we're really proud that um, Kansas State University stepped up to a challenge offered by the state. So there was a three-to-one challenge where if we could raise three times the money philanthropically, the state would give us one part. So... We, our challenge was to raise $75 million in four months. That, uh, that's about 13 years of fundraising for a college. They raised $82 million in four months. Just amazing how the industry stepped up to be able to support this effort. The match is a big deal. The match is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, it, it told us and it told the state how important agriculture is. This is going to involve actually eight different buildings. Uh, a couple of buildings will come down because they can't be renovated and modernized. Um, a couple of buildings will be renovated. Call Hall, as an example, and Weber Hall will be renovated and modernized. And then we'll also have new buildings as well. We'll have a new livestock arena. Mm -hmm. We'll have two new agronomy buildings. And then right in between Call and Weber Hall, we're going to have a building that integrates food science, animal science, agronomy, grain science, milling, huh. and bakery, because we are number one in the world when it comes to grain science, milling, and bakery, but we don't have the current building, Schellenberger Hall, that supports it. That building comes down, this new building comes in, 
and um, we accelerate what we can do. So the timeline that a few years maybe? Timeline for that is uh, by December 2026 20, is our okay. goal. So first out of the ground will be um, the two new agronomy buildings will break ground this spring. And then probably later this fall, we'll work on the livestock arena. And part of what you're talking about there is interdisciplinary academics, whether it's research or instruction, right? So it's all about bringing different disciplines together to be able to solve the grand global challenges of agriculture. So let's take water as an example. Um, you need to have agronomists. You need to have soil scientists. You need to have geologists. Um, you might need to have plant sciences. All of these different disciplines can't solve the challenges alone. We all need to work together. And other universities I've been to, Purdue and NC State, when you bring all these disciplines together, you can solve bigger problems, solve them faster, get more research support, and at the end of the day, create opportunities for our growers. Out sort of breaking down silos. Breaking Not down entirely silos. a joke there. Bum, but bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Yes. So before we before we depart from the podcast here, I wanted to talk talk about the the collaboration, the economic development, and the work with industry. What is going on here at K State is going to directly involve industry, and part of that is fundraising, but but part of it is trying to meet their needs as well. So we have an economic prosperity plan that's been developed at K State, as all of the other Kansas Board of Regent universities have also had to create. Ours. Um, seeks to be able to create 3,000 jobs and add $3 billion to the economy. And so it's about partnering with industry. It's about attracting industry to the state. It's about creating that talent pipeline that's so vitally important to them. It's about research collaborations. It's about education and training. The biggest economic announcement in our history was Scorpion Biologics. It's a $650 million investment in a human vaccine manufacturing plant right here near Manhattan. It's going to employ over 500 people at an average starting salary of $80,000. That's twice the average in Manhattan. So it's a tremendous economic boost. Universities can do work like that, and K-State is interested in developing those private-public partnerships and industry engagement to fill great jobs for our students and bring more jobs to the state. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you for sitting down in this beautiful ice cream plaza here. Always good um, to be at the Creamery or Dairy Barn. Okay, no, Creamery. Not barn. I said barn. It's bar. <laughs> dairy bar. <laughs> All right, President Richard Linton, thank you so much for helping us learn a little bit more about K-State. Happy to be here, and go Cats.